Howdy friends and welcome back to His Redemption Roads Season 3. I am your host, Natalie. During this season, we are diving into some of the more commonly used scriptures of the Bible to put them back into their intended context and restore to them the power the Holy Spirit intended when He inspired their writing. Sprinkled in, I hope to share divine revelation, exciting testimonies, dreams, and visions that ultimately break off chains of religion in order to reveal the unfailing love of the Father. So ask the Lord to prepare the soil of our hearts to receive as we take a stroll down His redemption road. All right, friends, here we are. We've come to the crux of the Beatitudes, the culmination of it all. Last time here on His Redemption Road, we talked about the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper and why it is important to be a peacemaker. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and His followers will make peace. But today we wrap it all up with Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. This sums up the Beatitudes. Why are we here? And what happens when we do what we're doing? Today our focus is going to be on verse 10, which says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is persecution? And what is righteousness? And how is theirs the kingdom of heaven? We're also going to go ahead and read verse 11, and we're going to tie this up in a nice, tidy, neat bow. But it not, might not be as simple as you think. Let's read the whole thing together. Now that we've come to the end, let's see how far we've come. Think about what you've learned in these last several weeks while we read through the entire passage. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 1 through 11. And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Now remember, this is Jesus teaching them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, that's the very first beatitude. And what does he say? He says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the very first beatitude, and which beatitude is it? It's those that are poor in spirit. This is key because the beatitude we're doing today, which is the last one, also says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So he starts with it being the kingdom of heaven and he ends with it being the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This particular verse in Matthew 5 verse 10 states, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. First, let's define persecution. So here in the Western world, persecution looks very different from the persecution fellow followers of Jesus Christ receive in Asia, Africa, South America, the Middle East, and other parts of the world where following Jesus can be illegal. I um, received persecution in the Western way growing up. I went to public school when I was in elementary school and persecution there was like when I would pray, the teachers would tell me I couldn't do that. Uh, When I would pray for meals at lunch, the teachers would get on me and tell me I couldn't do that. So, you know, what I did was I actually had all my classmates pray for lunch together. That's what I did. When I uh, was given poetry that I was supposed to recite in front of my class and possibly in front of the entire school, I would choose a psalm or a proverb, and I was told I couldn't do that. And they would give me a new um, book or poem or something to recite. And I remember one instance where they gave me this thing to recite. It was called Me I Am. So here I was choosing something that glorified God. And they turn around and they give me something that glorified self and man in the flesh. And they wanted me to recite that instead. So what I did was I learned it. And I recited it in front of my class. And I prayed. I was so upset. I was so angry that I couldn't do what I had chosen. And I prayed and I said, God, if there's a way for you to use this, that you would do it. And what happened was, Because they knew that they'd persecuted me and they'd done wrong, I won. I won with that horrible, self-fleshly poem. But because I won, they wanted me to get in front of the entire school and recite it. (laughs) Well, that was my opportunity. I got up in front of the entire school. And you know what I recited? I recited the original psalm I had chosen. They couldn't stop me. They couldn't interrupt me because they had just announced me as the person who won the poetry. And they couldn't stop me in the middle of it without looking foolish. So I got to give God's scripture in front of the whole school. But that's the type of persecution we receive often in the Western world. Someone doesn't want to be our friend anymore. Some some gift is taken away from us. They try to put us in a box and conform us to their way of thinking. But in other places of the world, persecution looks much different. And guess what? That type of persecution can come here. Do not be fooled to think that it can't. So according to the American Heritage Dictionary, persecution is the act or practice of persecuting, harassing, or oppressive treatment, especially the infliction of injury and the loss of property, rights, suffering, or death as a punishment for adhering to some opinion 
or course of conduct, especially religion or worship, that cannot be called a criminal act. So it's something that's done to a person negative when they're not even committing a crime. Uh, persecution is persistent or repeated injury or annoyance of any kind. It is a general or systematic oppression or infliction of torture and death on account of a religious opinion or belief. It is the act or practice of persecuting, especially the infliction of loss, pain, or death for adhering to a particular creed or mode of worship. Friends, there are places around the world that if you worship Jesus as your Lord and Savior, they will burn your house down. They will kill your family. They will torture you, put you in prison camps, and do all sorts of other things. Persecution is real, and it's alive today. Yet the Word of God says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. According to the American Heritage Dictionary, righteousness is the character of being righteous. It's purity of heart. It is um, doing what's right. It's conforming to the character of God and his standard. It is rightfulness. It is justice. It is holiness, purity, and uprightness. And when we put these definitions together in the scripture, we could read something like this. Blessed are those who are harassed, injured, punished, oppressed, tortured, or even killed for living with a pure heart and upright conduct, holiness, and justice, and purity like Jesus. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This puts a whole new light on the scripture in Luke 14, verses 28 through 33, where people are urged to count the cost before following Jesus. It says, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? Okay, this is someone that's intending to do something. They count the cost. And what they count is, it says, whether he has enough to finish it lest after he lay the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. So here it's the example is building something and not being able to finish it. We are to count the cost. Can we not simply just lay the foundation in our belief for God? But are we able to finish the work that God has set before us even in persecution. Luke 14 goes on in verse 31 to say, Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So the king counts the cost of war before going into war. So here we go. Here is the tying it in with Christianity. Verse 33 says, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. 
That's Jesus speaking. To be Jesus' disciple, we have to be willing to forsake all. That means even our life unto persecution, even unto death. Are we willing to take this walk all the way from the most basic to the most difficult? Are we able to finish to the end? Are we able, if we had to, to die on our knees, still declaring Jesus Christ is Lord? Why count the cost? Because following Jesus is hard in the flesh. It can only be done in the Spirit with Holy Spirit. We are warned in Scripture that persecution will come. John chapter 15 verse 18 through 20 says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me, that's Jesus, before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. So if you did what the world did, they would love you. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, okay? You are now a set-apart person. You are now sealed for Jesus. You are now not like the world. You're in it, but you're not of it, okay? Because of that, the world hates you. Verse 20 says, Remember the word that I said, the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. Jesus was persecuted. And if we follow Jesus and we look like Jesus, we can expect persecution. But there's a reward for that. There's more verses about persecution in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Matthew chapter 10, and many others. But this, this is why Philippians 4.13 was written. This is what it means. It says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This scripture does not mean I can pass my math test through Christ who gives me strength or that I can, you know, till my garden through Christ who gives me strength. No, this scripture means I can forgive my enemy through Christ who gives me strength. It means that through Christ who gives me strength, I can turn the other cheek. Through Christ who gives me strength, I can endure persecution. Why? Why can I do those things? Why would I do those things? So that one, even just one more person can see the love of Jesus in my life and through my actions. And that person may come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that even one more person can be saved from an eternal death in hell to come to an eternal life with God. Suffering, when a person suffers, it has to have a purpose and a goal for that person to willingly sacrifice themselves to suffering without giving in to the temptation to renounce God and turn away. The goal? The goal is cemented when a person falls deeply in love with Jesus and then they want to turn and share that love with others. And the goal? 
is to bring people into the loving arms of Jesus to become fellow heirs to the kingdom of heaven, to become brothers and sisters with each other through Christ and the Holy Spirit. So what does blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, say when we read it backwards? It says, yours is the kingdom of heaven because you have been persecuted for righteousness. How is the kingdom of heaven yours? Well, we did cover this when we discussed Matthew 5, verse 3, the very first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you've not listened to that, I do recommend that you go back and listen to it. But here's the thing. If you are poor in spirit, you're, if you're being persecuted, it's because you're poor in spirit. It's because you have submitted your spirit to be under the guidance and the authority of Holy Spirit. And you're doing what he leads you to do. And that looks different than the world. It rubs people's sin and their fleshly desires the wrong way. It inflames their lusts and causes them to act against what is good and right and holy and just and true. When the kingdom of heaven is upon you and you walk into a place that's full of demons, the demons are aggravated. When that happens, some people will see God in you. Some people will be convicted of their sin. And sometimes even the most hardened of hearts will come to the salvation of Jesus Christ through the grace of God and his love for them. And you will have won over another soul for the kingdom of heaven. You will have exhibited the qualities of heaven here on earth. And you will see and experience and endure things not humanly possible. And sometimes some people will die for Christ, but they will end up in the literal kingdom of heaven, which is heaven itself. That scripture does not end here. It goes on to say, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, friend, Christian, Christ follower who loves Jesus. Blessed are you when the world reviles and persecutes you. And says all kinds of evil against you falsely for Jesus' sake. What does it say to do? It says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Friends, when you stand strong for Jesus. And you don't bow to the world. But you bow only to God. Great is your reward in heaven. Yours is the kingdom of heaven because you have been persecuted for righteousness. And let me tell you that the persecuted Christian, though it is hard, they receive the sweetest reward when people around them are saved for Christ. The Beatitudes are for today, and they really do work together, and they exhibit the qualities of Jesus here on earth for the salvation of others. If you are a persecuted Christian today, keep at it. Stay the course. Don't give up. You've counted that cost. And let me tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it to bring people to heaven with you. You are being prayed for. 
we are cheering you on. There's a great cloud of witnesses in heaven cheering you on. Don't stop. Don't stop. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are God. And that through you, through Christ, we can do all things because you give us strength. Lord, if the time comes for persecution for any person that loves you, God, I pray for boldness. And I pray for endurance. And I pray that we would exhibit your spirit to those around us. And that even the most hardened person with the hardest of hearts, that their heart would be penetrated by your love and that they would be saved. Be with us. Be with your persecuted church around the world and help us to bring in a harvest of souls for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review and share this podcast with a friend. Also, if you haven't checked them out, go take a look at my books on Amazon. One is my memoir about being healed from Guillain-Barre syndrome called Healing Wings. And the other is a couple's marriage workbook called The Mission of Marriage. More books will be coming soon. You can stay connected with me on Facebook or Instagram at His Redemption Road. Have an amazing week in the Lord and be blessed everywhere you go.